Welcome to Growing Up Boomer. I'm your host, Padre, with my co-host, Cotton. And this podcast is dedicated to the life and times of the baby boomer generation. The show is loosely scripted, and sometimes we'll go down rabbit holes, and where it leads us to, one will never know. This podcast can be informative, funny, and sometimes irreverent. But most of all, we hope you find it entertaining. Hey, Cotton, how's it going, my man? I'm doing well, Padre, and yourself. Hey, man, you know what? You know what I discovered? What is that? that getting old is pretty tough, man. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, you know mm-hmm. what I discovered? Birthdays are like boogers. The more you have, the harder it is to breathe. <laughs> oh, there's all kinds of stuff, man. Hey, you know, and you know I try to keep in shape. So I uh-huh. do a little workout every so often. And you know what? You know what I discovered is there just certain parts of the body that just give up. Okay. Yep. There is nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I've come to the conclusion of the secret of having a smoking hot body as a senior. You know what it is? <laughs> What's that? Cremation. Okay. <laughs> the only way you're going to get a smoking hot body as a senior. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the only thing I you know I'll be honest with you the only thing about growing old right the best mm-hmm. part is it doesn't last very long. <laughs> yeah. We hope. We hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, you know what? Today's podcast we're going to go over the Twilight Zone. Okay? Oh, okay. Be- yeah, because if you remember, as a kid, TV was big time. I mean, we couldn't get enough of it, you know, oh, yeah, when, we were, we just, when we were a kid. What did, what did your dad you, used to tell you? What, you're going to write your brain out. <laughs> you watch too much TV. Uh, no, that was my mom. Oh, my okay. Dad, my dad would, uh, you know, kind of let me take a sip of his beer and say, sit down, we'll watch TV. <laughs> oh, man. You know about TV. I mean, we used to watch TV relentlessly. If you remember yep, that, yeah. The thing is, uh, it was so funny. As as you know, I used to be uh, an elder in a church, mm-hmm. and uh, they you uh, one time they were having a a seminar on marriage, right? And, and they thought maybe that a elder that has been married for quite some time would be a good fit for this class. Mm-hmm. So the preachers up there, he recommended that sometimes. It's best that you don't have a TV in the bedroom. And then, of course, he turns to me and he says, what do you think about that? (laughs) I went, went, if I didn't have a TV in the bedroom, I couldn't get Kathy in there. (laughs) She's got to listen to you. Oh, yeah. And he came back afterwards and he said, oh, thanks a lot. (laughs) Don't help me. You shouldn't have known better not to ask me. I got one in every room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> she wouldn't let me put any in the in the restroom though. <laughs> like those squanky hotels, huh? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God, I, I gotta get. You know, I love to read read articles. Mm-hmm. Okay, we have one. I think his name is uh, John Louisiano. I think that's what he's oh, pronounced. Yeah. He, he yeah. criticized the new Super Mario Brothers movie. The remaking, right? Well, right? that must have been real hard. <laughs> <laughs> because it's 
colorblind casting of the original movie. Okay. He, he criticized the upcoming, that's what it reads, he criticized the upcoming Super Mario remake for lack of diversity in the movie casting. In a <laughs> since-deleted tweet, he wrote, so glad Super Mario Brothers is getting a reboot. Obviously, it's a comic. It's a comic uh, epic. I think it means. I think it's supposed to be epic, but too bad they're all white. No, get this. No Latinx <laughs> in the leads. And I'm going Latinx. I remember when I first saw that word. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I was walking in, and it was. Um, it was. I think it was Stanford up here that was. Uh, putting that as the new thing and I was walking in and my wife was watching the local news and I saw the word and I thought it was a, for a laxative commercial latrinex <laughs> <laughs> what is that is that a new lunch she says no it's a new you know and I they, I told her thank goodness my mom's not alive <laughs> oh yeah she would have she would have been pretty upset me messing with the Spanish language like that <laughs> and, and get this you know he's talking about the groundbreaking colorblind casting as original plus i'm the only one who knows how to make this movie work script wise he added mm. okay now correct me if mm -hmm. i'm wrong but back in 1993 didn't this guy get to play luigi in the original mario brothers now the last time i checked luigi is not a hispanic name no, it's Italian. Yeah, so it's, so he should be guilty of cultural appropriations. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it says, "Hey, what's little Luigi? That doesn't sound Spanish to me." <laughs> oh, oh God! And there's this other article that's driving me crazy. It says climate change blamed for more home runs in baseball, warmer air, more dingers. <laughs> the, the issue that you're going to have here is, first of all, most of the games are played at night these days, <laughs> not during the day like in the 1960s. <laughs> yeah. They're going and get this. Okay, they say 500 more home runs in the major leagues in 2010 can be attributed to climate change. A study that has attracted widespread media attention claims. And this is Dartmouth's study, and this is from the American Meteorologist Society. There was, and it's so funny. Everybody picks a certain point of time to make sure that their statistics come out right. It's like what Mark Twain said. There's lies, there's damn lies, and then there's statistics. <laughs> <laughs> if you really look at it, if you go before 2010, like from between 2004 and 2010, Average home runs were 5,121.8. Mm -hmm. From 2010 wow. to 2015, they went down to 4,642.5. Really? Yeah. But from 2016 to 2019, they went up to 6,019. That's Mr. Steroids. <laughs> no, no, no. What it is, is they, they made some rules to shorten oh. up the game. So, in huh. other words, when the guy came out to do his warm-ups, he had eight pitches. But now he had to do it within two minutes. Oh. And huh. they shrunk the sh uh, strike zone. Did they really? Oh, yeah. They do that all the time. I mean, right. When I was growing up in the 60s, the strike zone was from the shoulders to the knees. Now, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the belly button to the knees. 
Jeez. And, and get this, in the 1960s, there was only 16 teams with about 13 pitchers per team. That's 208 pitchers. In 2023, wow. there's 30 teams. And if you take the same thing, which most of them are 13 pitchers, there's 390. That means that there would be 182 pitchers today that would not make the major leagues back in 1960. So you've Jeez. diluted the pitching. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, so you know, you have to look at all of this stuff that goes on. Is oh, it's climate change? No, it isn't. Most of the games are done tonight, and guess what? It's weather. <laughs> One of the examples they use is that well, that's why jets fly at thirty thousand feet, and I can guarantee you this cotton ain't nobody hitting the ball thirty thousand feet high. <laughs> oh. Well, let's get back to our podcast uh, on the Twilight Zone. Oh, okay. Now, what I love about the Twilight Zone is this is the first program that introduced controversy. In other words, the writing was just, it was taking a lot of stuff at the, the beginning of the 60s. We're starting to come up civil rights, anti-war. This was the first program that did it. Mm. I mean, think about the programs that were going on in the in the in the uh, late fifties. I mean, you know, it's like yeah. Ozzy and Harriet, Father Knows Best. I mean, it was all of these good feel good type of uh, programs, right? But it wasn't anything like the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. And and the yeah, twi- yeah, uh, they came up with some pretty controversial stuff, and we'll go over a few of that when we did that too as well. Yeah, but the interesting story on it is uh, Sterling. Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, I mean, his name is, is his full name is Rodman Edward Sterling. Was born in. Is it Sterling or Serling? I thought it was uh, Serling. I'm sorry. Serling. You are correct, sir. Oh, hey, there's there's a one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it was, uh, he was born December 25th, 1924, and died in June 28th, 1975. Yeah. Very, Big very lot. young. He was 50 years old. Yeah. yeah that, and, and, and get this, like most people that were born at that time, he served in the U.S. Army. He enlisted in the Army the day after his graduation from high school. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started his military career in Georgia. Oh, really? Yes, yes. He, he joined to fight the Germans but then ended up in the Pacific campaign and fought in the Philippines around that area there. And he was uh, occupied Japan as well. Really? That's that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. He was actually wounded as well. He earned the combat infantry badge, the bronze star, the purple heart, the uh, army good conduct medal, American campaign medal, Asian Pacific campaign medal, world war two victory medal, Army of the Occupation Medal, the Philippines Liberation Medal, and the Army Presidential Unit Citation. Wow, that really? That's Rod Serling? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And it said this has affected him so much that he had nightmares and flashbacks for the rest of his life. I bet. Yeah. (laughs) Which Which made a good show. Well, that's exactly what he said. You're absolutely right. He was so bitter, and there were so many loose ends in his life when he got out of the service that he thought that he would turn to writing to get all of this stuff off his chest. Wow. Yeah, and he was a a big anti-war activist. He courted Eugene McCarthy for the presidential campaign in 1968. Wow. 
It was also in uh, into civil rights as well. Matter of fact, oh yeah. Matter of fact, he wrote uh, one episode that was predominantly a black cast, all black cast, just about. It was called the Big Tall Wish, and what it was. If you, I don't know if you remember that episode. No, I don't. I don't remember that one. It was this one kid that he had the big tall wish, and if he wished hard enough, things would happen. And this guy was a a down on his luck boxer type of father you know to this kid i mean he was uh-huh. like uh you know he'd take the kids to games and, and it was so revolutionary that it was on the casting choices because it didn't have to be a black cast it could have been anything purposely picked that out because he wanted to make sure that the uh, african-american people are just normal people they want the same things we want so he mired it in kind of like you know racial politics just to show because before that the only thing that was on TV that had a black cast with Amos and Andy. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that that only lasted 52 because once the NAACP got that, they said, hey, okay, they are pretty upset. But, you know, the thing about, about uh, Sterling was that he was also known as the angry young man of Hollywood. He was always clashing with TV executives and sponsors. Always. Wow. Because a lot of his stuff they want to censor. Wow. Oh, other shows he did, he did a small, before the Twilight Zone, was called The Storm. Hmm. He also did a remake of The Christmas Carol called A Carol for Another Christmas in 1964. And he also did Night Gallery. Ah, oh, great series. Yes. Yeah. He was responsible great for that. Series. And get this mm-hmm. one. Get this one. Guess who was supposed to narrate The Twilight Zone? I have no idea. Orson Welles. Yeah, that wouldn't have been too bad. Yeah, but the problem is it couldn't afford him. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and certainly thought found him, shall we say, too pompous and distracting. So yeah, what happened was that, that once they said, hey, we can't afford this guy, then he approached the producers and said, hey, what about me? Yeah. Because they didn't, all he needed was narration the first year. He didn't appear on screen till the second season. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. And he always had that cigarette. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons why he died so young. Yeah. Because he was a workaholic and he smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he also did a, 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 he briefly hosted the first version of the Liars Club in 1969. Oh, really? Yep. Jeez. And, yeah. I mean, he was uh, busy all the time. He also uh, had a, a uh, episode of a short-lived uh, sitcom called uh, Ichabob and Me. Jeez, yeah, he played Eugene it. Holyfield. <laughs> Remember Ironside? Yeah. Oh, it was an episode called Bubble, Bubble, Toil, and Murder, in which it featured a young Jodie Foster. Really? <laughs> yeah, he had a small huh. role. He was a, uh, you know, he was a uh, owner of an occult magic shop. Oh, boy, <laughs> that, that set him off right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it kind of <laughs> just fit right in, didn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, another one was uh, he wrote 94 out of the 156 episodes. Jeez. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't, he didn't use a typewriter to pump out these scripts. He would use a dictaphone and then the, the uh, a secretary would then translate it and put it into script form. Really? Mm-hmm. Ah, that's great. Yeah. Get this. The Twilight Zone was a big break for a lot of young actors. Yeah. The first one is Robert Redford. Yeah. Now, what, what 
episode was that? Nothing in the dark, where he plays a police officer mm-hmm. who gets shot, oh, and he falls down yeah. the stairs, and there's an old lady. Who, she's like a, a shut-in because she doesn't want death to come in and pick, take her. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one now. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know it was Robert Redford. Yeah, Robert Redford was in the, was the lead role. Wow. He was Mr. Death. Wow. And the whole thing is, thus these two actors, their exchange, she doesn't want to let him in, and he's bleeding to death, and he's begging her, and, and it just ends up to be very, very good. Another one who That's, got his start, uh-huh. Burt Reynolds. Okay. Yeah. This is this is one, I, I looked at the ranking of this particular one, uh-huh. and this one's way down. <laughs> Apparently, oh, it wasn't really? very good. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen it or? I have not. This one I have no, not. Neither. Okay, but neither I've seen most of them. Or should we say I probably did see it because I've seen them all, but mm-hmm. it's probably very forgettable. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Another one. This was a twofer. Charles Bronson and Elizabeth Montgomery were on the same one. They were on the uh, one called Two. What was it called? It was called Two. Never, never heard of it. That's is this is the one. Where they're enemies that he oh, wrote, remember? Yeah. And one, yeah. it was like an American and a Russian. Yes. And it was kind of like uh, they were, they were combatants, but they're the only two left, and it was kind of like an Adam and Eve thing. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah you they remember had to start it. Huh? The world over. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then there was another one. Cloris Leachman was also on there. She got, it was a good life. Oh, was she? Okay. Wow. Yeah. Carol Burnett got her start on the Twilight Zone. Really? Mm-hmm. Cavender is coming, and it was actually designed to be a pilot for a sitcom. So certainly thought he would give this a try on the Twilight Zone, and if it worked, it would become a sitcom. Really? Wow. Yeah. Needless to say, it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was pretty bad. Was comedian in the show? Or? <laughs> oh, it was just, it was just silly. It was oh, it, yeah. it, and you could tell it was kind of like a sitcom because there was really nothing serious about it. Jesse White, who plays an angel, and he was like a character actor. You see him all the time, and he smoking was a goofy. Cig- he cigar. was a, yeah, yeah. He was a goofy angel, smoking, mm-hmm. drinking, you know, and stuff like that. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. He, he was last in his class, and they're giving him a chance to make Car- Carol Burnett's character happy, and that, huh. and so, so that, he's like a, an agent for her or something. Huh? Right, right, and so he tries to make her happy, and. He's a guardian angel, and it was, yeah. <laughs> it was an act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, meh. <laughs> so, so, yeah, the problem was, you know, it was a dud. It just didn't work out. <laughs> right. Oh, another good, another person who got to start, Dennis Hopper. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, he did a lot of cameos, I think, at that point. This one, he played a main role. I'm giving you main roles that these people played in. Wow. He was the, it was one of my favorite. It's called He's Alive. Hmm. And it's, it's, it's a pretty heavy duty one. And this one is basically talking about neo-Nazis and that Hitler's influencing these people. It's really good. Really? Yeah. Wow. Like, like this guy's like a, a, a two bit neo-Nazi type of thing. And then all of a sudden you always see this shadow that looks like Hitler and he's giving them advice on how to become hmm. Uh, relevant 
Wow. It's it's pretty heavy duty. I'll have to look that one up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's called uh, He's Alive. It's it's an excellent one. And at the end, uh, you see the shadow looking for other people to convince oh, them. Oh really? Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> oh that that sounds like a good one. Oh it is. It is. It well Dennis Hopper he plays an excellent excellent part in it too. Yeah. Uh, a James Colbert got a start there too. Really? Yeah. The old man in the cave. Do you remember that one? No, I don't. Okay. This is where there's this town and it's kind of like the head of the town. This guy, he's telling mm-hmm. the people, uh, whenever there's something happening, he goes to the old man in the cave and the old man in the cave tells him if things are safe, if you know, you can have this water or you can eat this food or whatever, because this is after the popular apocalypse. Everybody's dead, and you, there's just little, just little outclay. Well, these soldiers come, and then James Colbert, and they say, you don't have to listen to this guy. Who's this old man in the <laughs> cave? Well, they end up uh, getting in there, right? They break into the cave, and it's a computer. Oh, really? And the computer's giving them all this advice to stay alive, and so they destroy the computer, and they start drinking and partying. Well, all the food is, is poisoned because of the uh, nuclear war. And everybody in the town dies except that one old man that doesn't uh, that doesn't listen to him. He's kind of like running the town. Wow. Yeah. See, the whole idea I'm surprised is. I didn't see that one. Huh. Oh yeah. Well, there's so many. There's 156 of them. You can't remember Jeez. them all. No. <laughs> you know. And you listen to these. You look at these. And if you just if this if the younger generation would take away the hokey type of. Uh, effects because this is like mm-hmm. the, the 59 to 64 mm-hmm. you would say wow just the storyline and the acting is unbelievable yeah oh another one lee marvin okay i i remember him in in one of the episodes but i can't place it the steel because boxing is such a brutal sport robots are now the fighters as opposed to humans got it, got it. yep and the other one was the grave. Hmm. And that's, that's a Western. And, and he was always looking for this one guy to kill, right? He was like a bounty hunter, but he was really afraid of this guy. And they tell him, well, if you're, you know, and he ends up getting killed. And they tell him, well, if you are not afraid of this guy, you spend a night on his grave. He ends up being dead when they find him the next morning. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very Jeez, interesting. How did I miss these? How did I miss them? <laughs> what? I was always parked in front of the TV. Yeah, <laughs> God, how many? How many? I mean, how many are you going to remember? I can't <laughs> oh, remember I can what remember I had for breakfast. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> A few other ones, of course, and you mentioned one of them already. Martin Landau also appeared. Robert mm-hmm. Robert Duvall, Ron Howard, Jonathan Winters, Dennis Weaver, Dick York, Jack Plugman. Peter Falk, Tally Savalas. Woo, that was a scary one. Oh, I bet. <laughs> no, no, that was the Living Doll. Do you remember that one? Yes. Yeah. Woo. God, oh, that was God. a creepy one. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was the husband. He, he was the husband. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, that was a real creepy one. Well, that's where they get all of these. You know, you see them now, the horror movies, and they're always like dolls or whatever. They. That's where it goes all the way back to that. Yeah. That was. A, yeah. Edwin. Oh, yeah. Yep. Ross Martin. You remember Ross Martin? Sure. 
Artemis, sure. Artemis Gordon in the Wild Artemis Wild West. Gordon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Roddy McDowell, Jack Klugman. Yeah. Buster Keaton was in one. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. And he played a, a, a washed-up uh, actor, didn't he? Or a com- comedian? Uh, no, he was a janitor uh, back in the 1890s, and he finds a time machine and comes up uh, in the 1962. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was perfect, too. Yeah, he was perfect for the part. And yep. Andy Devine, Art Carney, Don Jeez. Wrinkles, and Francis. Wrinkles? Yeah, he was in, uh, what was it, uh, Mr. Deb's uh, Strongman or something like that. And hmm. also, who was in that one, too? Burgess Meredith as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, John Carradine is in the spooky one. Really? Yeah, hmm. it's called The Howling Man. Oh really? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's you know he's got a beard like the ZZ Top guys. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a great one, Donald Pleasance, huh. and that's it's about he's forced to retire as a as a college professor, mm-hmm. and uh, he's contemplating suicide because he doesn't know what else to do, and huh. because he feels like he hasn't made a contribution in his life, and he feels like he's a loser. Huh. Yeah, and what ends yeah. up happening at the end, they show how he's influenced these kids, even though he doesn't know that they are successful or they've been heroic. Then he realizes, okay, what I've done, I've actually contributed. Not me, but the people I've influenced. Yeah, very, wow, that, very that'd good. be a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now these, these are the last two. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I saved them for the end is the episodes are very interesting. Agnes Moorhead? Mm-hmm. Yo, everybody remembers her as the mother from uh, Bewitched? Yep, yep. Okay, in The Invaders and... Yes, yes. Mickey Rooney. Mickey Rooney. Mm-hmm. What was he in? The Last Night of a Jockey. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. You remember that one? Okay. And the yeah. reason why I Vaguely. mentioned these two at the very end, because they're the only actors in the entire episode. Yeah, remember? wow. Of course... Angus Moorhead had the two little, two little freaky little guys going after her. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> yeah, little wind-up toys. Yeah, little wind-up toys are going after her. Just smash them. Now, yeah. Mickey Rooney, if you remember the storyline, Serling wrote the episode specifically for him. Oh, wait a minute. He became real tall. Or exactly. Real and Remember? They, what they did is they shrink down the room, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they made miniatures of the room and they made him real tall. And, and then he gets right. a God, he, I forgot that one. And he gets a call because he's been, he's been barred from horse racing because uh, accused of doping horses. Yeah. And okay. At, and at the very end, they call him because they're going to reinstate him. And then he's tall. He can't do it. He's like eight foot tall. He should just go out for a basketball team or something. That's right. Yeah, try getting out of that door. (laughs) Yeah, did you? Yeah, that was right. I mean, he like towered over the door. (laughs) Oh, and get this. You know, getting back to the Twilight Zone is that you know that there was almost six dimensions instead of five dimensions. Hmm. Yeah, because when they first Open the first scene. Serling is, is explaining there was six dimensions to explore. Remember how the opening goes? Until the yeah. net, until the network executive overheard the introduction and he asked him, 
what happened to the fifth dimension? <laughs> and he realized, oh, there's only four dimensions. I thought there was already a fifth dimension. <laughs> so they caught it. And oh, get, that's funny. And get this. Viewers used to send in scripts. <laughs> really? Well, you know, people were just into this stuff. You know, I mean, they, they thought wanted to be part of it. They received over 14,000 scripts from people. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I wonder if he took any. No, absolutely none were used. <laughs> <laughs> it says even two were only, only two were good. <laughs> and they didn't make the cut either. <laughs> well uh, i'll tell you what cotton i think we should probably bring this one to an end and finish this one up next week what do you say i say this is a, just a wonderful one we grew <laughs> up with this <laughs> yes we did and they were very very influential to the baby boomers that's right okay. absolutely all right my man you have a great one okay you too bye-bye bye nos vemos después we'd like to thank you for listening and leave you with this one quote Before we start dealing with artificial intelligence, we should take care of natural stupidity first. And until next time, may God bless.